Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing our walk through the book of Isaiah. And once again, we're going to be in a passage that is about uh, the pronouncement of coming judgment, uh, coming judgment upon a nation, Israel, that feels that they are protected because they have been blessed by God, but they have forgotten the source of that blessing. And being disconnected from the source, they are also going to be quickly disconnected from the blessing. And we're going to see that in today's passage, uh, which is going to be selected verses from chapter 5, where we read this. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby, nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do with my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. He, that is God, will send a signal to distant nations far away and whistle to those at the ends of the earth. They will come racing toward Jerusalem. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, we have um, a, pronouncement, a pronouncement of coming judgment, but uh, the, the theme that we've talked about, how this comes out of love, is much more, I think, explicit in, in this particular one, because it starts off with this song about a vineyard and it's it's like a it's like a love song it's written as a love song at this beginning um but in the end this vineyard is filled just with with a harvest of bitter grapes and so god says that he will abandon this vineyard and dismantle it he's going to let the animals come in which we're going to see is connected to the foreign armies that are coming at the end of this passage um but what are these bitter grapes well we're seeing throughout here that god expected justice and instead he finds oppression he expected righteousness, which I thought was uh, really helpful in one of your sermons. You defined righteousness as being about right relationships, right relationships with God and with one another. But instead of righteousness or right relationships, he instead discovers cries of violence. 
Um, and so God pronounces through Isaiah this series of sorrows, or you know, if you have a Bible with more traditional language, a series of woes, of promises of or foretellings of coming sorrow. And I, I, this first one I thought was really interesting. People who buy up all the homes and land and evict everyone so that they can live alone. I mean, that just sounds like so much of the modern housing crisis. And I, I can think of certain towns in our area, won't, go, won't, won't name them, where people uh, buy up a lot of land, want to live alone, and then, and then even fight against the, the inclusion of um, low-cost housing. I, there, there's a particular town near me where there are all these signs up for the longest time where they there's this plan to go forward with some affordable housing, but everyone opposed it because it wasn't going to be beautiful like all the other homes. Well, that's because they don't have millions of dollars to make it beautiful like your homes. Like, how else are you going to have affordable housing? But And then he uh, Isaiah adds here, what sorrows are coming for those who are heroes at drinking wine? And I, I think that itself could be something, but I also think that could be emblematic of uh, any of the ways that uh, we can take pride in excelling at doing something that doesn't have any intrinsic worth, right? We could put all our time and effort into, I don't know, collecting bottle caps, I mean, wh whatever it is that just really has no value or even has negative value and to take pride in that. And then final, a, a final symbol of these woes is to let the wicked go free and to punish the innocent. That in the, in the end, in a society like this, money talks and everyone else suffers. And this is the, the kind of injustice that Isaiah has been talking about all the way along. And then verse 26 uh, basically talks about the, the natural result of, of this, that God is going to signal out to these distant nations and, and they're going to come. The people are going to see, the people around them are going to look at this nation that was once, you know, under King David, was once excuse me, blessed and strong and, and, and greatly connected to God. But without that kind of leadership anymore, uh, they've fallen apart and they've become a, a kind of a shadow of who they once were. And the people around them are going to sense that weakness. Like God said in the uh, image of the vineyard, that he's going he's gonna to tear down the walls and the animals will come and they're going to trample it all down. And the people of Judah or people in, in any time period are, are often tempted to think that when we experience good times, that the good times are going to last forever. But in a real sense, if you lose your foundation, if you lose what has made you great, you can easily become lost again and, and taken over by others. So anyway, I think that this is once again, a, a, a passage of, of judgment that's um, coming from Isaiah that is written to Judah you know, thousands of years, thousands of years ago, and yet it feels very contemporary. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. At the last point, it, it just, it really feels like this could be written in 2023 to America, for sure. I mean, it's so many talking about taking down the walls, right? I mean, you think about the, the immigration debates and you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so many of of the the things you you had mentioned the you know the people who are resisting the affordable housing, uh, and equating that with uh, chapter five verse eight. What sorrow uh, for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. You know I was thinking about these hedge funds that are buying up just house after house after house, development after development after development, and then you know having these exorbitant uh, rent prices and cutting other people off from from being able to have, you know, sort of the uh, kind of the middle class dream of being able to own their own home. And I uh, just, I see so many of these parallels just feel so much torn right out of our headlines. 
Um, I, I, I would say, you know, you, you talked about, and I think you're right about the, the people who um, are the, what's sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol can hold, they can hold. I would say that's different than the people who boast about dumb things, right? So they'll be at the most bottle caps or whatever. No, I actually feel like this is boasting about, about things that are shameful, right? Mm. Where you should say, my gosh, I have this problem. I drink too much. Uh, instead, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, the class, that little shirt, you know, I don't have a drinking problem. I drink, I fall down, no problem. Uh, and, you know, the, but it's like they were making light of the fact, no, 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 that you, you're an alcoholic. That's really, that's unhealthy. Uh, and yet there's so many tendencies about whether it's around substances or sexuality or finances where people are boasting it about something that they actually should be ashamed of and say, I need to be rescued from, from my sinful self in this. Uh, but, but instead they're, they're blessing it. But I think that really points back. And I think this may be, um, you know, I think about this verse a lot, actually, uh, chapter five, verse 20. And you're right in, in the NLT, it's what sorrow for those. But I think the way that you and I both kind of have learned it is, uh, the, the classic, uh, woe to those, right. Which is, is like, I mean, I guess it is like what, what awful things will come to those who say that evil is good and good is evil that dark is light and light is dark the bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter and i think right there that I, I think at the heart of our cultural problems and probably at the heart of maybe every cultural every culture's decay is this confusion of the categories so things that are good and virtuous and true are maligned as, as you know evil and false uh, and so that the people who are, are living in ways that are honorable and pure and righteous are in fact denigrated as prudes and <clears throat> and bigots and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and yet and then the people who are, are living very selfishly uh, and, and indulgently are, are, are extolled as heroes because they're they're, you know, breaking free of, of, you know, breaking chains and, and you know, kind of uh, experiencing independence and. Uh, you know, all that. And I just kind of think, wow, confusion of the categories is a big deal. And I think that that's where so many of our, our cultural challenges actually come around our language, uh, where, where we allow things to be spoken of in a certain way. And I think there's a lot of us who just kind of think, yeah, I don't really want to fight. And, you know, it's just language. Like, okay, they say what they say. Not realizing this actually has, a, a, I think, a much bigger consequence in our society when, when we we allow good to be spoken of as evil and evil to be spoken of as good. I think perhaps that we have um, our tolerance, our kindness, our forbearance have been weaponized such that we end up tolerating and, and things that we shouldn't, right? Where we, we don't end up offering resistance or, or pushback. And it's not then that intolerance is the answer. It's that conviction is the answer, mm. right? I don't need to use force to fix you, but I do need to have the, the strength, the internal force to stand my own ground, right? And, and I think that's where so often what we end up doing is we, we end up imposing things on others, right? The, the force that we want is the power that we want to exercise is over others, when in fact the power we should be do, exercising is self-discipline and conviction. And, and I'd love to see Christians really being more resolute in this. I don't think we need to rail against the world. 
We just need to resist being brought into it. And, mm. and that I think we have not done. Um, I, I think, and I'm speaking just plainly for myself, I think there's ways that I just haven't wanted to make an issue out of a lot of things so that we could, hey, can we just talk about Jesus? I don't really want to argue about all those other cultural issues, politics and culture and sexuality. I don't really want to argue about all that. I just want to talk about Jesus. But what's happened is then I've seeded the conversations in those other areas, thinking that, okay, now can we finally talk about Jesus? Okay, okay, we'll let you have that. Fine. Now can we talk about Jesus? And and I, I've just, I've seeded so much ground. And I, I realized I probably should have, taken some self-definition, you know, stands to, to, to stand with Jesus earlier on. And again, not to fight against others, but to, to be willing to be sacrificed, to, to sacrifice, to suffer for my own convictions. Uh, I wish I had done that sooner. Yeah. You're talking about, I think, um, threading a needle here where it's, it's so easy to on the one hand, move back towards like a fundamentalist reaction against things and, and, and even insist on holding on to things that were bad. And, and on the other hand, to be so tolerant that you let go of everything. Uh, I, I don't know who originally said it, but like the, the goal of an open mind is not to have a mind so open that everything falls out, but rather like having, I think it was Chesterton who said like, like having an open mouth, it's the goal of it is to, to close it on something solid that we mm. need to be able to have convictions in that sense that, our openness is to be open to what is good, not just to be open to anything so that we can hold on to nothing. Hmm. Uh, that's well said. Hmm. Well, we need that discernment today as much as ever. So John, maybe you can pray for that for us. Yeah. Our good and gracious God in, in James, you said that you are a loving father who delights in giving us good gifts. And when we need wisdom and ask for wisdom, you delight in giving us that gift. And so, Lord, we ask for wisdom. Please show us the way, give us the light to navigate these difficult waters and, and help us to be faithful to you in a world that seems to no longer value faithfulness to you. In, J in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for another week as we're looking through God's word. You know, This Sunday, we're actually going to be able to hear from Pastor John. And uh, I'm telling you, it's really, really... It's worth making sure you're there. Don't miss it because I just, it's such a good word and I'm excited to be able to share it with you. So we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday and then right back here on Monday as we pick up our study of Isaiah.